Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host Vince Peart. Once again and always, we are joined by our co-host Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello everyone. Um, I'm all right, thank you. I'm back at work after my two-week well, two weeks leave that wasn't really leave because was I it really leave, Tilly? I mean, it, was it, re- it were you really off? You weren't really, no. were you? No, no, I was just taking holiday, but then yeah, doing a lot of independent work. So yes, it doesn't feel like I've had a break at all. But on the plus side, I got a new tattoo, so I'm very pleased with that. Um, although it's in its itchy phase at the moment, so I'm trying my best not to scratch my arm because it's driving me mad. Um, I've, I've put my cream in the fridge to try and get it soothing, but um, it was it was a beast of a session. It was five and a half hour session. Wow, and, um, that's a long session. Five and a half hours is a long session. session. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I'm really pleased with it. It's um, an Athena Greek goddess with an owl and a spear, and it's on my upper arm. So I'm really pleased with the artist work, but um, I just can't wait for it to heal because it not comfortable at all at the moment it will there could there potentially be a picture on twitter do you do you share tattoos on your personal twitter there's a lot there's a lot of horses on there but i don't think i've seen a tattoo yet oh it's already on there you'll have to go over to twitter and have a look yeah i posted it a few days ago i'm not Um, not really into twitter that much these days i've fallen off the tweet wagon Oh, well, I'll have to. That's what I'll be doing tonight, listeners. I'll be uh, having a good look at uh, Tilly's flesh on Twitter. <laughs> that sounds very wrong, but um, not never in the context mind. of what we'll I've said. If you were just to clip, if you were just to clip that singular bit out of the podcast, of course, it could be edited to look somewhat uh, untoward. I would say, but in the context of what you've said, perfectly normal thing for a human being to say. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll let you off. Um, anyway, how have you been? What have you been up to? Well, I um, I'm still heavy. I'm still heavy into the camper van till he ain't gone away. You know, you know, you know oh, me. You've yeah. known me a long time. You know, I get fascinations. Sometimes they last a couple of days. Sometimes they last a couple of weeks. Usually, when they last in like more than two weeks or so, I'm generally captivated by it. So I am. I'm not going to get a micro camper anymore. I'm going to I'm 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 going to get a just a normal camper. Um my mother and stepfather came over on the weekend. I cooked us a nice leg of lamb. They brought the dogs over, took the dogs out for a walk and I uh I picked my stepfather's brains because he is a he he's a camper van owner like I want to be. And he offered me some advice. So I know the type that I'm looking at and I've actually got a viewing I've got a viewing lined up. I'm off to watch the bare knuckle boxing in two weeks' time. And where I'm watching that is in Leeds. And there's a camper van that I like the look of. So I'm going to combine having to travel to Leeds anyway with going to look at a camper van, Tilly. And I've also been looking at selling my car. So the wheels are the wheels are rolling, Tilly. The the pipe dream, the, the pipe's going, and it's now just a dream. Wow. So are you going to then be driving around in a full-size camper van all the time? Is well, not a, full-size, not a full-size camper van. The, the, the style... So, <laughs> I always feel that we open the podcast by me just 
teaching the listeners or like talking about random things. It's been golf, it's been football, it's been boxing. It's been every time there's just a different thing, isn't there? It's just a different thing. So now, now listeners, hear me out about the camp van options. Basically, tell you there's, there's there's three smaller campers that would suit me. One's called a Mercedes Vito. I'm sure you'd go for that, given you're a fan of Mercedes. There's the Volkswagen Transporter, which is also known as the California, if it's a, a factory produced camper by VW. And then there's the one that I'm going for, which is the Ford Transit Custom. It's basically a small condensed transit van. Now, I was going to go for a micro camper, but my stepfather made a good point, which is well, actually. The bigger ones, they're still small compared to like massive campers. They're not that much more to run on fuel. So compared to my car, my car's quite sporty. It's quite fast. So it probably uses about the same fuel. They're small enough so they will still fit into a normal car parking space. It also fits in my driveway because my stepfather bought his van over and that also fitted on my driveway. His is a VW, but it's the same dimensions. But yeah. My uh, my day to day my day to day vehicle will be a, a small camper and do you know what Teddy that combined with my gold tooth I think I think I'm becoming a new man do you know what I mean I I'll now be the man with the gold tooth and the camper I just think I'll carry myself a bit better I think you know this is I feel like I'm maturing this is the year that I turned forty and do you know what I'm going to be I'm going to be a camping man with a gold tooth that's just you, know, you better get used to it Teddy because you know things are changing around here deal with that. Did um did we talk about the gold tooth on the podcast or did we talk about this off air? Um, no, we I did. We, we spoke about we spoke about the gold tooth on the podcast. Okay, that's all right then. I just had a moment then when I thought, hang on, did we discuss this off air? And other listeners no, no, just not going to no, have a clue no, what no. we're talking yeah. about that, that Vince has got a green gold tooth. No, you know, you well, I haven't got it yet. It's actually getting. I, I, it was delayed. Actually, it was delayed because the mold, the mold of the gold tooth. Um, wasn't uh, it wasn't done properly by the dentist. So by the time I've got this fitted, I've been to the dentist five times. Five times I've been to the dentist oh. for this canal. Oh no! And then I, I feel like after that, I I I deserve a camper. I deserve to treat myself <laughs> at a, a perfectly a perfectly proportionate and normal treat for somebody that's had a root canal is to buy themselves a camper. That's a normal, well-adjusted thing for a human being to do, isn't it, Tilly? Please tell me it is. <laughs> I mean, you bribe children with chocolate and sweets and ice cream after they've been to the dentist. So we have to bribe you with a camper van. With a camper. Just the adult version. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Talking about bad apples. Um, our podcast today, guys, is going to. I'm not a bad apple. I'm a, I'm a russet. I, what, what apple would you be, Tilly? If you were an apple, what apple would you be and why? Would you be a pink lady? Would you be a, a sweet and sought after apple? Would you be a cox? Would you be a tart bitter? Or would you be a would you be a crab apple, which is uh, high up on the tree, hard and bitter, and out of the reach of anyone? What would you what <laughs> apple What apple would you be, and why? <laughs> I think I'd be a pink lady. I mean, but I yes. love the colour pink, and and they're yeah. they're actually my favourite apples. Um, when I go to the supermarket, I'd I get you. very excited when they're on offer. Um, yeah, I'd I'd have, I'd have you as a pink lady. I think I I think I'd be a Brayburn. I think I'd be a Brayburn because, you know, I'm quite like it. I'd be a heritage apple, a traditional English heritage apple with a slightly ruddy appearance, rough around the edges. But when you get into the flesh, it's uh, it's all right. 
Okay, right. So we've now compared camper vans, we've compared apples. Are we going to talk about social work at some point? It's a wild ride, Tilly, and this is this is what sets us apart. We do not, we don't just sit on the podcast and oh well, he is uh, he he is he is Professor Professor Vays from the College of Utoxeter come to tell us about their latest research. Would you rather we did that, Tilly? Is that what you prefer? Is that what the people want? No, definitely not. They love prefer- these conversations. There we go. This is dynamic. (laughs) Give the people what they want. This is just what we do. Of course. This is who we are, Tilly. This is who we are. You're the pink lady. I'm the Brayburn. And you put us together and we make a nice, wholesome apple pie. Talking about apples. um, (laughs) Try and move this on as best we can. Um, Tilly, have we got a problem with bad apples in social work? I hope not. I hope not. Um, I think there's bad apples no matter where you go. Um, so I think every profession attracts them. And I think it's one of these professions that unfortunately does attract some people for the power trip that it comes with it. Sometimes some of the, the work that we do uh, can attract people that just want to control and influence other people. But I would like to say that in general, I think social workers are pretty genuine and and the people that we do have that are bad apples hopefully get rooted out fairly soon. So the, the reason I ask this question is, as you know, listeners, you know, we, we generally take our podcast topics from popular stories or themes that we've written about on mysocialworknews.com and on our website um, over at mysocialworknews.com. Obviously, everyone knows in this podcast as well as doing my column and doing my supervision column on Friday. As the content editor, I write a lot of news pieces as well. And some of the news pieces that I write quite often can be quite negative at times. You know, we have to report on the news. It's important. And every week or so, I will have a look at Social Work England's uh, latest tribunals and, and the outcomes of their latest fitness to practice hearings. And I write about these things, Tilly, not, you know, I don't name and shame these social workers. In fact, intentionally, we do not name these social workers. That's a that's an editorial stance that myself and Nick Farrer, the editor of Social Work News, between us, you know, me as the content editor, her as the editor, we take that stance, Tilly. And obviously, you, you're part of those meetings. You know why we do that, because we write these stories not to shame people, but to offer them as a warning, offer them as a warning that basically this is wrong. We need to learn from this. And if anybody else is engaged in this type of behavior, I, God, God knows, I hope not. We want to call that behavior out, not the people. But over the past five weeks, we've, we've, we've published three stories that have really shocked me, Tilly. The first one was at the end of February, which involved a senior social worker who was at the center of a dispute in the High Court after Social Work England was not informed of the outcome of a private family court hearing. Essentially, this social worker and his wife slash ex-wife had been going through court hearings and the judge, Judge Farouk Ahmed, had made a number of domestic violence findings against this man who was found via finding of fact to have assaulted and abused an ex-partner and the mother of his child. I don't, maybe they weren't married, maybe it was just, it was an ex-partner. Now, the judge refused to give Social Work England a copy of that ruling, but credit to her, I've got to say credit to this man's ex-partner, because a lot of people have just given up on that. She challenged the decision 
asked the High Court to rule that Social Work England should receive a copy and following a referral to them, Social Work England also made an application to the court to receive a copy of the judgment. So now, Social Work England are going to see that judgment. So not only I think that raises a question about this guy's evidently sounds like a bad apple you know there's a fairly he is you know if we, if we if we go on the basis of finding the fact which we have to in social work tell you you know in, in my line of social work we have to use finding the fact to establish facts in cases when criminal prosecution has not been sought because that's beyond reasonable doubt in the civil courts we're on balance of probability so this guy's obviously you know we have to say that he has abused his ex-partner so there's two questions there. The first one probably goes without saying, Tilly, is this guy a bad apple? The second one is, what do you think of that judge, that judge who refused to give the social work regulator a copy of his ruling despite that very same person having found that this man abused his ex-partner? What's your take on that story, my friend? I was really shocked when I heard about this story. Yeah. I can't believe that the judge didn't. I would have thought that the judges, just like social workers, have a, a, a reason to protect the public. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they didn't then um, disclose that to Social Work England, I think that's really dangerous. I get that people need to be innocent until proven guilty. and, and But as you say... If we're finding a fact on and on the balance of probabilities this behaviour had happened, mm -hmm. then I think Social Work England should have been told. And I'm, I'm pleased that they are getting that judgment. And um, I hope they take appropriate action because clearly if someone's assaulted and, and physically abused their partner, then it calls into question whether they're fit to be a social worker. It usually results in people being struck off or at the very least facing a um, like suspension period until they can go away and remedy that. And, and, and rightly so, Tilly. Look, I have called out Social Work England on some of their decisions before. I thought some of their decisions in the past have been overly punitive. I have also called out Social Work England just on some of their sort of general things in the past, just in terms of, you know, how they run their shop at times, the decisions they make and so on. In this position, I think you've got to give them credit. You've got to give them credit for actually applying and seeking this order themselves. And generally speaking, in all of my experience, I think they do get it right. And rightly so, rightly so, you know, as you've said yourself there, if somebody is capable of abusing their own partner, then what on earth are they capable of doing to vulnerable clients and, and the people they work with who they've got control over or even people in the workforce who are perhaps below them and have got superiority over them? It doesn't look good, does it? It doesn't breed for a harmonious workplace and a good social work profession if people like that are allowed to say. Is that fair to say? It is. And how can they go about working with people where domestic violence is an issue in their lives, exactly. whether they're a child social worker, adult social worker, safeguarding, whatever? We all have a responsibility to call out domestic abuse. And if they're doing that at home and obviously condoning it within their private lives, mm -hmm. then how how can they be objective and work with families where that's an issue? Well said, my friend. Moving on to the next bad apple. This is one where I um, I do question Social Work England's decision. Um, so this, if you guys want to look at this on Social Work News, it's from March the 1st. An experienced service manager who'd been a qualified social worker for 30 years 
has been given a three-year warning from Social Work England for offensive behaviour, including referring to adopted children as window lickers, or words to that effect. The man was employed as the head of a regional adoptive service where he was accused of making offensive comments such as, I'm just going to read out some of these, and apologies in advance, apologies in advance for the things that I'm going to say here. These are literally taken from a Social Work England order on this matter, their own recording, and I'm reading them out as we've reported them on Social Work News. They are certainly not my views, and it does not sit easy with me having to say these things, but I think it is important we hear these things simply because of how distasteful they are and to know this is going on. So in November 2017, this man had said, can we be mindful of the age we employ? Don't employ a woman who is going to get pregnant, go off and come back part-time. In January 2018, he said, if we employ somebody with their bits whipped out, then we won't have a problem. On an unknown date, he said, my wife always threatens me about having my bullets taken out. You can send colleague A in first and my wife wants me to chop my bullets off, but before I empty them, colleague A will be first in line. To colleague C on an unknown date, he said, every time I see you, you get fatter. Oh, you are getting fat and you are getting fat every time I see you. He called colleague D a stroppy Jewish woman. He called colleague E Paddington Bear. He said to colleague F on an unknown date, why don't you wear a short skirt like person A? To colleague G on an unknown date, he said, your laugh is infectious. Yeah, like gonorrhea. To colleague MN on an unknown date, after he found out that she was pregnant, he said, have you not got a TV in your house? And have you never heard of crossing your leg? He told colleague I to F off. He called colleague D a child catcher. He told colleague G that they were effing annoying. As well as that, he referred to adopters as dead wood. He also used words that said that serves them right for being disabled. He also referred to adopters, bearing in mind Tilly, this man was the head of a regional adoption agency. This man referred to adopters as buyers and sellers. He was given a three-year warning. Social Work England believed that a three-year warning, in their own words, was sufficient and proportionate. They believed that the inappropriate comments were, on a number of occasions, directed towards a number of people with protected characteristics. So Social Work England accepted that these comments were inappropriate, directed at people with protected characteristics, but still felt it was necessary to only give this man, and I say only Tilly, because I can't lie, I do disagree with this, I can't hide that. Social Work England felt it was sufficient to give this man a three-year warning. If you were in a position where you were deciding what should happen to this man, given he's been a social worker for 30 years, you would expect, think would know better, given his position as the head of a regional adoptive agency, what message does this send out that we as a social work profession can hear these words, can accept that that language is offensive, is targeted at protected characteristics, but decide that a three-year one is sufficient? What's your take, my friend? I mean, I'm disgusted. I yeah. think, it, how can someone in this position of power 
be still practicing as a social worker this isn't a one-off comment either it's there's a catalog of comments uh, with many different people many different horrible horrible opinions and things this isn't something that's that someone's made an inappropriate joke that's been taken out of context that okay you might kind of think oh that was a one-off let it let it go with a bit of education or something this is a sustained and really quite nasty and targeted some of these comments are really hurtful and horrible Mm. and I don't see how someone can remain a social worker when they've been proven to to have said these things I'm I'm shocked that Social Work England haven't taken stronger action and and struck off this this social worker. So what does that say to the public then so what what does that I agree I you know I I felt disgusted reading those things I would genuinely I, I agonized do I even want to read those things out? But I felt I had to, Tilly, because it's so it's so horrific. I need people to know what this man said and what, essentially, he might not see it like this and Social Work England might not see it. But I've got to be honest, it seems like he's gotten away with it. Because a three-year warning, the yeah. things that people get warnings for, I've seen people get warnings for being late with case notes, slipping behind on assessments, not doing statute visits in time. And when you read the uh, judgment, these people are saying, well, I was very stressed, I had mental health issues, yet that's the kind of thing that people generally get a warning for. So my question would be, Tilly, what impression does that send out to the public about our profession that we can hear these words, we can accept this man's done this, we can rule that he's done this, but we're just gonna give you a three year warning. Crack on, do what you like, but you've been warned, don't do it again. It's disgusting. I really don't see how this is a justifiable position. Mm. And it makes me question, like, if this was a newly qualified social worker or a student that had said these things, would they have got the same three-year warning? I don't think they would. I think they would have been struck off for this. Well, okay, let's put it like this, Tilly. If, If a student on a university course had referred to one of their fellow students as a stroppy Jewish woman or in a class when you were talking about seminars regarding adopters had said oh they're deadwood or in a in a in a class regarding disabled children and disabilities had referred to disabled children as a window licker what would happen to that student they they would be off the course straight away Bingo, I can guarantee it of course and why is it that any different for someone that's been a, in a profession for 30 years who should know better? <laughs> that's be, the key. For me, and, for and me the punishment should be stricter. Higher. The punishment yeah. should be stricter because that he does not have the justification of ignorance or not knowing better. Okay, Tilly, let's let's move on to our third and final member of uh, our our monthly rogues gallery. We could basically maybe be a regular feature. Would you think this could be a regular feature on the podcast, Tilly? Like the, the rogue galleries of social workers. Well, I hope not, because I hope there's not more many out there. But um, it could be like one of those local news features, you know, when it's like <laughs> the, your county's yeah, yeah, yeah. most wanted with the mug shots on um, on social media. So yeah, have. maybe. <laughs> Because <laughs> look, I mean, we, we you know, I, I wouldn't do it, but we legally, you know, we can name all of these people. You know, the, the, these names are in the public domain. We, we just don't. So we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. I like the fact that we don't name them. I no. think that's only right. I mean, as, as we've said, their names are on public record. So if people want to find yes. out who they are, they can. It's a quick Google search will we'll tell you everything you need to know. 
Yes, I am. I, I am saying that to be silly because it, it we evident. It, it, this is my decision. It's, it's my decision not to name these people, but <laughs> would it would still be an interesting podcast. Can't deny it, can you, Tilly? Tell me you can't deny it. Would no, be, I can't be, deny it at uh, all. You know, I, mean. I love a bit of juicy gossip. Uh, yeah. It's like it's naughty. It's like it's the forbidden fruit. Talking about forbidden fruit, uh, the final bad apple. Oh, that was a good link. That was a good segue. Final bad apple, and this was this was just from last week, guys. So again, you can find these stories on uh, mysocialworknews.com. Um, an independent reviewing officer has been given an 18-month interim suspension order after being found to have acted inappropriately and unprofessionally over the course of several years and within a number of different roles. He, um, again, I, I found it awful to say these things, but I, again... Guys, I really doesn't sit well with me saying these things, but I do have to you know, set them out. So this independent reviewing officer, social worker, this social worker sent um, confidential emails to his personal email account, failed to produce reports after looked after reviews, used discriminatory language in an email where he referred to someone as a, a bright person of colour. He used social media inappropriately, sent threatening message to colleagues, um, at one point, he told a professional in a meeting, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, and said to another, I am going to make a complaint about you to your inspector. After leaving one role, he moved to another job. He only lasted three weeks before he was fired. Even though he was there only three weeks, his concerns were raised about his conduct during a child protection conference. He then moved on to another council where he was alleged to have behaved in an inappropriate manner, breached professional boundaries, failed to have returned work equipment after his contract was terminated. Uh, he, after, after these experiences, he, he made various different public Facebook posts. He said, for a while, I thought I would walk away from bullying Rutland. Ain't going to happen. Ofsted saw exactly what I saw as an IRO. I have never seen such poor practices in child protection than what I witnessed in Rutland Council. Shocking and unsafe. So they sacked me for calling them out. And they systematically neglect their looked after children. This wasn't enough. He then set up a, 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 a... We have a lot of dealings with these trolls on Twitter under anonymous counts, don't we, Tilly? We're certainly all fair with mm. these people. But this we man... Are. It, we have. The less said about them, the better. But we're going to have to go there. So this guy had set up an anonymous count where he called himself Kafka Wild, where he said, yesterday I was sacked from a rubbish local authority for refusing to place a child on a child protection plan because police saw a 13-year-old smoking in the street. And he put another one where he said, Bury child safeguarding is a bad joke. In addition to these comments, concerns were shared about text messages, which he sent. And this is, this is, all of this is bad, but I think this is the worst of the lot. He sent a text message to a service user saying, Luton have terminated my contract, so you will get an inexperienced social worker. Saw's best wishes. Another one said, if you wish to complain about your treatment, contact so-and-so and let them know we are working together well as a team. Another message was said, and again, this is to a service user, potentially a vulnerable client, which said, I shall advise you as an independent social worker, ring me whenever you want, and your new Luton social worker has no experience and is newly qualified. A lot to take in there, Tilly, but um, what do you think of this, this man's behaviour? Oh, it's just appalling, isn't it? I mean... You just can't do these things. Come on. Wild, like, isn't it? We sh he should know better. I mean, 
whistleblowing is a really serious thing and if there are poor practices there are ways to whistleblow we have the laws in place for these exact things and if he has seen poor practice which I, I don't know he may have he may not have then don't go onto social media and spew all your you have nasty things about that local authority you deal with it in the proper channels and you certainly do not contact your service users or ex-service users with these sorts of messages I mean talk about professional boundaries there isn't any is there it's just it's just dangerous and harmful and yeah I think you shouldn't be a social worker anymore what's bizarre again here is the length of experience like if we think about the three examples that we've given, and these these weren't chosen listeners, these weren't chosen specifically to make this point, but I've got to make this point. Now, I, I need to be careful. I don't want to generalize here. These are simply three high-profile pieces. But Tilly, there are certain themes with these. We are looking at experienced male social workers who have all done the job a long time and who are all in relative positions of power. Does social work perhaps not have a problem with bad apples, but does it maybe have a problem with bad men? Oh, I don't feel like I should answer that. I think I might throw that straight back at you because you're a man well, and you can, you can comment. <laughs> I feel like I would just be... Uh, bit Tilly, bit Tilly, my friend. <laughs> is, is that not quite damning? Because I know why you don't want to answer that. I know why you don't want to answer that. But the fact that you don't want to answer that is because the truth could potentially hurt some people. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, and then I'm going to start getting campaign tweets yes. going, hashtag not all men. And of course it's not all men, but mm. I mean, you can't help but draw some of these parallels, can you? I mean, this is these are the three most high profile cases that we've had in the last month or so mm -hmm. and all men yeah but I mean, before we... that the hate has come at me from all directions and start okay. saying not all men um what do you think i think there are there are men in, in in all fields of work and in all fields of life who will abuse their positions of power i think and again i certainly don't have the statistics for this but i am confident the statistics would certainly back me out on this one uh, in terms of aggressive crimes, in terms of sexually motivated crimes, in terms of coercive control, in terms of abusing positions of power for sexual gain and abusing positions of power in order to intimidate people. Pretty confident there's far more men do that than women, Tilly. Do you think that's fair of me to say? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, if I can vaguely remember some statistics off the top of my head i think it's something like 97 percent of violent crimes are committed by men it's it's, it's scary statistics it's not even marginal yeah. it, it's very very clear that it's, it's mostly men it's almost like a hobby of mine like a bad hobby i shouldn't really do it. it's like looking at a car crash but i go on i go on social work england a couple of times a week and i, I look for all of the findings a lot they don't make public but some they do and then the ones that we feel we can have a learning element or hold up as a warning, we'll end up publishing. And there are lots that I read that are really worrying, but I don't publish them because I don't really feel as a lesson. There is a common theme of women having relationships with vulnerable service users. I mean, it happens to men as well, but when you read about women being involved in these kind of really 
worrying stories. It tends to be that. Now, in all of those things that I've read, I've never yet, and I'm sure there will be, I'm sure there will be, and the factors of vulnerability status is a concern, but I've never read that that was a criminal offence. It's been, the relationship appears to have been consensual in almost all, I think even because of us saying all of the, of the rulings that I've found. That tends to be a theme that you find with women. You don't get the same themes that what we've read today regarding significant abusive behaviour, significant derogatory language, poor treatment of colleagues and domestic abusive partners. You certainly see that a lot more in men. But I'm not going to push you on that, Tilly, and I don't want to say more because we've had an article that we published on the website God, a couple of years ago now by one of our columnists and that faced a lot of backlash because that columnist basically made a point and this isn't my point listeners don't go you know not all men and me i am a man i am a man so i'm one of, i'm one of you guys i'm one of you i get it the point i'm making is that when we had that column Essentially, its point was there were sleazy men in social work. And I read the article, and as the content editor is kind of up to me, what goes up, and I thought, I'm going to publish that because I have to be honest, Dilly, I have to be blunt here. I have met a fair few sleazy men in social work. I have. Do I dare ask if you have? Yes, uh, I have come across several. Yes. Um, I've come across a, a type of man in social work who thinks that because he is in a female-dominated profession that he can lord it. And I wonder, I wonder if some of these examples that we do offer up from Social Work England about the extreme, the extreme end of that behaviour could potentially be bred from a, a, a sense of misogyny. Yeah. Do you buy into yeah. that theory? Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah. It needs to be challenged. It certainly needs to be challenged. And um, yeah, look, Telly, I've been accused of being a lot in my 10 years of social work. I've never been accused of being sleazy. I've never been accused of being a bully or violent towards anyone. I have never been accused of any of these things. Um, the, probably the biggest accusation that I get is that I'm accused of being weird for going into the team and start telling people that I'm getting a gold tooth I'm getting a camper van and that I am really looking forward to getting a soup funnel this Christmas. <laughs> or, uh, or, or leaving your male colleague out from buying Valentine's yep. Day. Yes, that's the, that's how I get into trouble. I get into like a childlike trouble. I get into a childlike trouble for not necessarily being able. Basically, when I get into trouble, it's because I try to do the good thing and it goes wrong, almost like a Mr. Bean style character. That's what I'm accused of as a naive sense of misplaced, trying to make people laugh or trying to brighten the mood. Um, the class clown. That's what I am. It's, yeah, my entire, do you know what? My, my entire life, Dilly, since I was about six year old, my, my number one goal every morning is, can I make girls laugh? Yeah, I know. That's all that's I want like, to do. That's, that's just that's it. You want to do. That's my goal. <laughs> if, I can, if I can make women or people identifying as women laugh, that's a good day for me. But I don't think any of these bad apples have been trying to make women laugh. Yeah, I, I agree. I hope they don't stay in social work. Let's um, let's hope the right outcome comes from Social Work England, especially for that last one where it's still just an interim order at the moment. 
On that note, listeners, thank you as always for your subscriptions, your likes, your reviews, your shares. We'll be back next week. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.